0: Hello, listeners of Pan African Network. We have uh, with us today Susan Abram, and we are going to let her introduce herself, tell us about the work she's doing, her research area, because the African audience and the international audience as well would like to know more about her work and um, about her interest for Africa. Thank you, Susan.
1: Thank you. Thank you, sister. Thank you, uh, Nyamika. Thank you for inviting me. I currently live near Berkeley, California in the United States, but I'm originally from India. And I came to the United States about 31 years ago in order to study theology. And the reason for that was at that time in the 80s, in India, there were very few opportunities for lay Catholic women to study theology. So for me, it was a big adventure and uh, I don't know how it is for all of you. But when I told my mother I was going to study theology, she was, you know, she, this is this is the end. I've lost everything. Why are you going to waste your life? You know, you have so many other things you could do. But for me, it has been very, very important. Because my commitment always has been and my vocation has been to the education of women. And I found that religious structures, religious institutions, even though we have schools, for example, in India, Catholic schools, a lot of Catholic schools in India, the education of women still remains very stunted Mm. because we are so given to particular gender ideologies Mm. and expectations of women. So for me, uh, in the past 30 years, what I have done is research and work and teach about women, on the lives of women, and how women can empower themselves.
0: Yeah, then I think we are twin in, this, in that area now, Susan. Yeah. <laughs> and so I mean that's uh, that's something. Your experience, your background is almost you an African as well. Yeah. So that's the something. <laughs> Thank something I'm we, very honored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we want to know what you've done in these areas. Yeah. What are the the research or groups of women mm-hmm. you've uh, your your research and your work has helped. I mean, the products, what you mm-hmm. we will say is your legacy now,
1: yes yeah, yeah. in,
0: in thirty years.
1: That's interesting. I want to say two things. So there is the area of academic research, which makes you know some sense to some people. And I say it that way because the academy or you know academic institutions, they speak and do a language, if you like, or a grammar that is really not understandable to most people. So there is one part of that. I began that way. And I think, you know, I have a very strong love for abstract philosophical ideas. Mm -hmm. So, for example, years and years ago, 20 years ago now, uh, my dissertation was on freedom. And I remember when I first talked about my PhD dissertation to somebody, they said to me, well, of course, that's what an Indian woman would write about, freedom. which I thought was an odd comment, except the expectation or understanding is that Indian women lack freedom. Mm
2: -hmm. But
1: my intention in my dissertation was to show the complexity of coming with an Indian woman's experience and showing that Western ideas of freedom lack a certain nuanced engagement with culture Mm -hmm. and religion for that matter and Mm -hmm. politics which give us Indian women, and I would say now that you have uh, absorbed me into Africa, African women or uh, Latin American women or African American women in this country, it, it gives us a certain edge and it makes us speak in prophetic ways to existing discourses. So that's one side of it. Now I can do that. I can do that because I've been teaching for a long time and I can speak this language, which might sound foreign and hurtful to most ears. Mm -hmm. There's another side to me, which I think I enjoy a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And that is, I like order. By that, I mean, I do not mean that I'm some kind of strict school principal or anything like that. But I like a certain neatness, you know, in the way I live, in the way I think, in the way that I am. So currently, I'm an administrator. So I am the vice president for academic affairs and the dean of faculty here at the Pacific School of Religion. Mm-hmm. Which is a very progressive, multi denominational Protestant seminary. And what that gives me, that particular job uh, gives me the opportunity to do is to keep things neat and tidy. And I think about keeping things neat and tidy not because I have an obsession with it. There are, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm writing, my place is a mess. Mm-hmm. But I think of being neat and tidy as a way of being hospitable. So To be hospitable, a person who comes into my space, whether it's school Mm -hmm. or my home, Mm -hmm. they need to know how to navigate. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like keeping things neat and tidy. Nobody should come to my home or to my school and feel like they are a stranger and they don't know where something is. It should Mm -hmm. be Mm self-evident. So that is the other work that
0: I do. Yeah, but you see that that is the feminine in us, Yes, if if you can say so. I think we we carry along who we are by nature into everything we do. Yes, that's a a good aspect of. uh, Now you are in the editorial board of the concilium. Tell us a little bit about that uh, concilium and what is your role?
1: Yes, I am the current president of the board of editors of Concilium, And what's important about this is that I am the first woman and the first lay person Mm -hmm. and first lay Catholic in the world to have been elected to this very, very important position. Wow. I say that with a certain sense of, uh, I don't know, uh, I can hear history in the background. Mm-hmm. So there's a very kind of a personal connection to this. I came to the United States to study about Karl Rahner. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a backstory to that. But anyway, Karl Rahner being difficult for those of us from other parts of the world to understand, mm-hmm. first of all. And because I did not understand, it was very important for me to study with his student. Now, his student was teaching at Harvard University, and that's where I went to get my PhD. Mm -hmm. So, the connection to Rahner is what makes concilium a very personal thing for me, Mm -hmm. that this was a legacy that after Vatican II, Rahner, Skilbeck, Metz, Yves Congar, and a number of others, this is what they envisioned, the Mm -hmm. coming of the global church. But the coming of the global church is not simply about inclusion and it's not simply about a cosmetic addition. Mm -hmm. It is about uh, framing. It is about envisioning. It is about creating a new reality. Mm -hmm. And that is what is my almost unspeakable honor that this has been laid on my shoulders. So I serve as the current president of the board.
0: Yeah, okay. For those who... Doesn't know much about the journal itself. Yeah. So I was going through the most recent edition, and I see the complexity of the topics that were mm-hmm. treated in the four or five articles that was published for 2022. So if you can randomly, any so yeah. what? What are the main ideas that Concilium carry yeah. apart from the global church? But yeah the grassroots, for example, I saw an article on COVID, I saw an article on uh, different topics. So what will you say that will be the core of a concilium's ideology?
1: Yeah, very interesting question. I think concilium is very committed to a both and. It's what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. So we really want to speak, of course, to the academic public, mm-hmm. but we also want to speak to lay non-academic publics as well. So, each of our themes and issues is a blend of mm-hmm. academic work and theological reflection. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. And
1: this is very, very important because I think, you know, the academy has removed itself mm-hmm. from the daily life of oh, ordinary people. Mm-hmm. But I also think that ordinary people abandon. The work of the academy to experts thinking that oh i can never speak that language well you don't have to speak that language your mm-hmm. thoughts are important mm-hmm. your thoughts are complex your thoughts are nuanced mm-hmm. so a big goal for me is to continue to cultivate and foster this bridge mm-hmm. between these two publics mm-hmm. that would be one thing thematically because we are a very diverse group we are 20 in number and our editors are from all over the world Mm -hmm. Uh, many are academics not all many are catholic not all and so this is intentional this is the vision Mm -hmm. of a global church it's Mm -hmm. not just about cultural diversity Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of diversity so there's there are people who are religious there are people who are not there are people who are priests there are people who are not etc so there there is a lot of generational diversity is another thing And the way we decide on a theme is by consensus. So Mm -hmm. we have conversations about what might be an important thing to think about for the next year. It's a long process and we have a very ambitious schedule. So we publish five different thematic titles each Mm -hmm. year. So Mm -hmm. five different issues and in six languages. So what's interesting now is originally these languages were very European, you know, because it reflected a European view of diversity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was Italian, French, German, Spanish, uh, etc. But we are thinking of expanding it into other language bases as well. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested in a much larger distribution network to Francophone Mm -hmm. audiences around the world. So not just European French speakers, mm. uh, I'm very interested in different kinds of English speakers. So in okay. India, for example, uh, we have English, but we have Indian, how to say, Indian English and Indian English publishers that are different from European English publishers. We're also very interested in Chinese editions,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: which of course raises complexity because the most um, onerous part of our work is translation.
2: Yeah.
1: And a lot of this is um, gratis. It's not work that is compensated. Mm -hmm. It is not work that is paid. Mm -hmm. It is uh, simply people who are interested Mm -hmm. in continuing the vision of a global church. But when we have lay people involved, when we have young junior scholars involved, Mm -hmm. the the pressure on them is incredible. So Mm -hmm. that is a huge financial concern for me Mm -hmm. as president.
0: Yeah, you've mentioned um, here and there the idea of a global church and what you achieve through concilium. And now uh, well, the most important reason why we invited you for this interview is because you are also, as the president, you are being invited to the Congress, African mm-hmm. Congress in uh, theologians in Nairobi. Mm-hmm. And even the idea of your concilium summarizes the theme for the mm-hmm. conference, which is working together for the vital church in Africa and in the world. Mm -hmm. And now coming from this background and loaded with all this globality in you. Mm -hmm. So we want to know uh, what are you bringing to the conference? Mm -hmm. And then what do you expect or what are you expecting to bring out from Mm -hmm. the conference? Let me
1: address what I'll be bringing to the conference. I am uh, writing a paper on African encounters with modernity Mm -hmm. and the possibility of an Afrofuturism. Now this is academic speak, I I apologize, but this really is a very important philosophical and cultural studies intervention that we need to make, which is what does the future of the world look like from an African perspective? This is not well known in the US Academy, for example, the United States Academy is uh, not that far reaching. Mm -hmm. So those of us who are, you know, bridge makers, or we are our bodies themselves are bridges in a way, it is very important for us to bear the responsibility for doing or making translations from one cultural context Mm -hmm. to the other. So that is something that I'm very interested in. And I'm reading a number of Catholic thinkers, but a number of philosophers as well. I'm very interested in what women are writing. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested in what the men are writing. The reason for engaging with modernity is that for a lot of people, modernity means Western Europe. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we all exist in the world, we are talking on Zoom, this is all a result and a Mm -hmm. fruit of modernity. Mm -hmm. So we have all embraced it in some way. But what does an African perspective on modernity look like Mm -hmm. when, like you My uh, history in India is also very much intertwined with European colonialism. Mm -hmm. So there is no modernity for us without acknowledging the very deep impact of European colonialism. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I will bring conversationally Mm -hmm. to the conference. But I think what the conference has the potential to do is to make a huge impact about how the particular can speak to the universal. Mm -hmm. We have always looked at Europe as the particular. In fact, it has become so much part of our discourses that it became the universal as well. So European experience, European views of history, of time, of Mm -hmm. space, and these Mm -hmm. are all very important things. These became the benchmark Mm -hmm. for the rest of us around the world. Mm -hmm. But what would it mean for a huge collection of voices to come together and talk about what does the world look like from this side. And this is how, for me, uh, the way I want to say it is we are entering into a philosophical maturity, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, which means that it is time that the world take all of us very seriously, that a classroom in the United States in particular cannot teach without including materials from all of us Um, Mm -hmm. so this is my intention I'm an educator my mission in the world my vocation is education Mm -hmm. Uh, but how to bring it in a much more textured Mm -hmm. global so I'm very excited to be there it'll be my first time in Africa so it'll take me some time to to get you know move past my emotional reaction (laughs) I have always wanted to come Mm-hmm. But again, I was a student. I couldn't afford it. Yeah. Uh, now I am no longer a student. <laughs>
3: <laughs> when we're preparing for this uh, conversation, we asked for a, a song and you proposed a song, something true. I listened to it and I was really moved. But I mm-hmm. want you to tell our audience what really made you yeah. uh, choose this song.
1: Yeah. So I referenced uh, earlier, you know, my uh, my mentor and professor passed away last year suddenly. In June, and I was very, very sad, I was you know bereft in a way, and I was searching online these days, that's what we do. I was searching for psalm twenty three you know, not a reading. I thought maybe somebody's saying something about it. And I came across this video, and then I cried for two days, because this video is it's not just moving, it is profoundly transcendental if one enters into the spirit of what is happening. It's children singing Psalm 23, and what they're telling us is to continue to dare to have hope in God. And I think it is marvelous. Marvelous.
3: I pray that people who are also going through difficult moments, those who are in moments of lament, who are really yes, seeking yes. for sources of hope, will find hope in this very Psalm that is, really, yes. that is moving. This is quite moving and uh, it calls for hope. It calls for dream. It calls for mm-hmm. trust that at the end of the tunnel there's always a light and that God is never absent, even in moments of difficulties. And as sister have already said, this is a moment, a Kairos moment for Africa and for the whole world. So the question we we'll want to conclude with is we are going all together to experience this moment. Many will be there. Many will experience it through other means, and many might follow it afterwards to the publications, uh, seeing and listening to you, I see a world where the future of Catholicism is still bigger than the world thinks. Mm -hmm. I hear people talking about the end of Catholicism or end of Christianity, Mm -hmm. and I say, no, Mm -hmm. the Catholicism and Christianity is about to begin its true Mm -hmm. journey. To conclude, what really is your dream for African church, Mm -hmm. for the world church, and for the, for Christianism, and for the world in general? What's your
1: dream? Well, I think the dream is that we continue to have a frame of reference for God. And i say it that way because we live in such a multi-religious, multicultural world that a lot of conversations that we have in traditional theological circles is almost incomprehensible to people in the West. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just two days or yesterday, actually, a Gallup poll in the United States demonstrated once again that belief in god is dropping among the population now while that is true while belief in god is dropping a certain understanding of transcendence isn't mm-hmm. and what i mean by that is transcending oneself transcending you know the world the idea that there are there may be a reality that we cannot apprehend in ordinary life this still remains There is a deep spiritual hunger in even the most secularized parts of the world. So it's time for a mission to bring God back. Yes, in our context and in our histories, it came to us in certain ways because that was the Western mission to those of us in other parts of the world. This time we will return the favor with far less violence and far less exclusion. Africa will breathe life into the world again.
3: Finally, how can Concilium and your work as a theologian help to realize this dream? Uh,
1: Concilium is a tool, it's a fantastic tool in order to bring a wider understanding of these ideas to many, many different people. We need a Concilium to be distributed widely in Africa, in Asia and in Latin America, because the churches are alive in these places. Uh, They are not as vibrantly alive in Europe and in Euro-America, United States especially. But it is very vital in these other parts of the world. We need conciliums, ideas disseminated widely. So that's my hope. Uh, We're doing it in terms of inclusion, but distribution now needs to happen as well.
3: Thank you very much. Suzanne,
1: thank you, Suzanne. Thank you, thank you. I'm very excited, can't wait to meet you both.
0: Yeah, Yeah. thank you, Suzanne.
3: Because you called us to hope, we'll conclude this conversation with the rest of the song.